Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact. They're inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Gail Larson. Gail's work has been described by Fast Company as transforming your relationship to your voice via the deepest stirrings of your soul. She takes what is often considered our greatest fear, public speaking, and helps us understand that fear is truly excitement without the breath. She delights in each person finding their own to speak from the truth of who they are and what they love to open hearts inspire change, and move people to act. Gail is the founder of Real Speaking and the award-winning author of Transformational Speaking, If You Want to Change the World, Tell a Better Story. An SBA award-winning entrepreneur, her original approach to communication draws from her own journey as a previously reluctant speaker, her respect for Indigenous wisdom, 25 years in the world of speaking, and wide experience in business and association management. She's a former executive vice president of the Worldwide National Speakers Association and teaches annually at the Omega Institute. In 2014, she instigated the annual Holy Fool's Day extravaganza, an online event celebrating people who speak outside convention to find their voices and become the radical change artists their souls are calling them to be. So welcome to the podcast, Gail. I am delighted to have you here. Me too, Ursula. Thanks so much. So I'm I'm really interested to uh, have you tell people your a bit of your story and how you came to this work that you're doing now. Wow. As a young woman, I was really inspired by the difference speakers could make. Uh, Early in my career, I created in Nashville, Tennessee, the first annual Tennessee Women's Career Convention. Just because I I had an employment agency and it was a time when women were looking for alternatives and I wanted to create something beyond what I could do on the one-on-one in my employment agency to broaden the opportunities. And nine months later, and I always laugh at the gestation time of that birth, (laughs) 4,000 women from 16 states showed up. I had 100 companies there hiring women and 75 speakers over the three days. And it was so big for me and for everyone else. It was 1979. And... So many people were hired through that and got inspired about what was possible. And because it was so big, people started asking me to speak. And I was a terrified speaker. Hmm. I was far more interested in bringing other voices forward. Two years later, I was named the 
first woman to be the Tennessee Small Business Man of the Year, the SBA <laughs> Award, right. went to Washington, met in the Rose Garden with the president. I mean, all this was just off the charts in terms of unexpected. And people wanted to hear from me. And honestly, it was one of the most challenging times of my life because what I recognized was that great speakers made it look so natural. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, you can just get up and speak. And what I know now, what, how many years later, 35 years later, is that, yes, we can, but it, it, does, it does require that we do some soul-searching about what we want to say and the impact we want to have and the action we would love an audience to take. So there is preparation, and then, yes, it does look natural at its best. I call that the home zone, not the comfort zone, as you know. <laughs> yeah. So the journey continued. I got so enamored by the world of speaking, not because of my speaking, but hearing others and knowing the difference it made in my life, that I sold my business and moved to Arizona and was the first full-time executive vice president for NSA, and that's the Worldwide Professional Association for Speakers. Mm -hmm. So the good news was there I didn't have to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I was there because of my management capacity, <laughs> you know, doing uh, running the association, which grew rather dramatically in the time I was there in the early 80s. <clears throat> and what I learned from that was really seeing that the best speakers were unexpected, they didn't do what was it didn't they didn't do the predictable stuff and they knocked us alive. Hmm. And so I had some really good modeling for what good speaking looks like. And when I left there, I really was starting my own conscious personal growth and spiritual journey and had the privilege of working for ten years with cultural anthropologist Angelus Arian. And what I've learned from indigenous cultures is that true sense that we are here for a reason, that we have original gifts to bring forward, and that speaking and speaking our truth is a big part of that, whether it's in a private conversation or to the world at large through a public platform. So my work has taken different forms over the years, but in the uh, like 2001, after the loss of another venture that I thought was my future around health, I had a, a lot of things that didn't work, and I said, I'm just going to work with this speaking thing till I get back on my feet. And it's kind of funny to me that that's how I really moved into my true work and, and bringing my true gift forward. Because there's nothing I love more than supporting a small group of six people, which is the way I work. And, and really doing that deep dive to find what's theirs to say and their way to say it so they'll actually bring their gift forward. And you do it incredibly well. I was privileged to take your course earlier this year and... Uh... I, I, one of the one of the participants said what I think was in everyone's hearts, which is it's it was the best thing they'd ever they'd ever done. It was an incredibly powerful experience. You know, I, I thank you. I I see that 
when people show, it's by application, and I'm very careful about putting together a group who's ready to do the work and isn't in a place of a lot of loss and grief. Because when we're going deep to see what our life has really prepared us to say, if we're in the midst of a great loss, it's very hard to get there without the loss prevailing. Mm -hmm. And so it's like having enough distance and not being raw about what life serves up to be able to be on the other side of it and speak powerfully to what we've gained and the lessons we've learned in a very what's often a very challenging journey, and then others people learn from what we chose to do. <clears throat> so it's good to be on the other side of the big stories <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to be able to do the work, but it's just such a joy to watch how it unfolds for people. And as you know, I, I say don't come in with a talk, it will change. I really have seen over the years that most of us don't know our best material. Hmm. We keep going with what we've done because it seems to work. Right. <laughs> and we don't know what's really possible. And through our four days together, we get, we get just this broader range of what's available to us so we can express from a very current, enlivened space that a, when we feel it, then an audience feels it. Well, I certainly experienced that and saw it myself in that, I mean, you, you weave so many things together. I mean, the, the indigenous aspects, the, some of those traditions and practices and ways of thinking along with just a very deep self exploration. And it's, it's incredibly powerful to see someone's story evolve into a very powerful talk. Mm. Yeah, and, and you know, I never get tired of it, Ursula, because each person who shows up has their story. And once we get to the heart of it, I'm so excited to hear it. It's like I never get tired of the stories because they're all different. Mm -hmm. There's a Native American phrase that said, the great spirit must have loved stories because he made so many people. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I love that scene. And I say that for myself. I love stories because they, they're different from each person we get to hear. Mm -hmm. Well, in this work that you do, what do you see as the impact that arises out of that? How are your clients affected by it? How do you see things transforming for them? Well, when people hear transformational speaking, I think the first place you go to is, oh, I want to bring transformation to my audiences. And what happens in our time together is we have to transform our sense of ourselves to stand in our full power. We have to move through the blocks of the things we think we can't do or say to get what's underneath them that's really alive. So there's a personal transformation that I think is pretty consistent with people that I guess if I had to put a name to it, I'd say it's a level of self-trust that is so deep and empowering that then stepping forward into an audience with the truth of who we are is something we're willing to do. Mm -hmm. Where before... I think we look to the external for approval. What, will, what can they take? What do they like? 
what you know, it just there's a fear of stepping fully and fiercely into the gift that we're here to bring. And so I'd say that's one of the, the really big things that transpires, the level of personal trust, so that we can then step out and bring that gift to, to others. And I, I love that you had a speech shortly after where you felt the big difference and that you're actually looking forward to your next one. <laughs> it's true. But I, you know, I hear this a lot that people leave the class, go out and do a talk, and it is off the charts in terms of their joy. I got a book in the mail yesterday from a client in England who came a year ago before her book came out. And she had to script and she spent days and she said, I just can't do a book tour and, and do this if I continue to do it this way. And so she was looking forward to this big Ignite conference in London. Mm-hmm. That's what she was preparing for. And it was such a joy for me to read her note yesterday when she sent her book saying that people were lined up. They sold out of books. It was like oh, she great. loved it. Hmm. And it's a process that we can apply for any speaking we do. It's not like you just have one opportunity because her particular class decided to do a showcase in New York. All six of them got on a big stage, sold tickets because they wanted a good professional videotaping. She didn't want to do her big speech she'd worked on in the class. She was saving it for the book to come out. And what I love that Beth said was, oh, the process works. I've developed a whole new talk, and it was easy. Yeah. And so the capacity to stand there without a script and self-trust, and it doesn't mean we don't have a structure, but it allows us to be present and spontaneous and connected in a way that we can never do when we script a speech. Mm-hmm. Well, I've found that too. I'm, I'm working on the second talk now, and, and it, it's going to take a different form, and yet the process is really proving to be so valuable. And having gone through that, it's, it's pretty easy to implement and do it differently, and it feels mm-hmm. empowering even when you're doing it. It's kind of fun, isn't it, to see how much is available to us and then getting it into the amount of time we actually have. Right. Well, and the the process itself is not without bumps. I mean, there's there's a lot to be discovered in this self-exploration that you you really inspire and ignite in the work that you do. And uh, can you talk a little bit about that and how how that really serves the, the process? Well, as I said earlier on, we tend to, so many people are terrified of speaking. And what they want is to be comfortable. And frankly, I think comfortable, sort of boring and predictable, but (laughs) people applaud. It's very professional, too. I mean, it's, it gets us hired. We have credentials. We, we know our material. We have good examples. We have good research. That's a reason to be invited to speak, but it's forgettable. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going for is what I call the home zone, where we're aligned, where we're grounded, where guided, where, and it really, the home zone, we really develop from the willingness to tell our stories. 
And the stories aren't told as an example. They're told as though we're living it right now so that we are emotionally connected to ourselves. And it's real and it's enlivening and it's it's true in the moment. So an audience can put themselves in our shoes. Because it's not self-aggrandizement or egotistical to tell your story because most of our stories have the universal themes. We had a challenge. We had to overcome it. And there aren't, you know, we have these themes in our lives, whether it's our work, our bosses, our money, our relationships, our health. You know, there's just not that many big themes. So whatever we're choosing that life has served us up to be able to share as a teaching isn't about us. It has an application where if a story is told well, the audience is engaged because they're on that same journey themselves and they can't wait to see what happened. (laughs) I don't think it's a whole lot different from our parents reading us stories when we were kids. Tell me that one again. Right. We love this. We love to hear the story because the learning comes through it without preaching at people and telling them what they need to do. It inspires them. So well, the process does mean, I think there's a wall you hit between the comfort zone and the home zone. Mm-hmm. As you said, it's not without bumps. I mean, it could be scaling a pretty high wall to go as far in our communications as we think is appropriate. I mean, I think appropriate (laughs) really shuts us down. I can't say that. It's the enemy of the transformative talk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love the Rumi quote where he says, Forget safety. Live where you fear to live. Destroy your reputation. Be notorious. Yes. (laughs) And so I really encourage people in the classes to go for it. You know, we're not as outrageous as we think we are. When you see everyone saying, oh, I want more of that. (laughs) I want what she's got. I want what he's got. It gives, I think it helps, helps us understand that that aliveness we bring when we're being true in our expression without editing it so much really is what allows people to hear us. It's not about polish and perfection. It's about truth. Mm-hmm. Well, and as someone who hit a wall during the intensive that I attended, I, I can vouch for the fact that you, you do an amazing job of creating uh, an environment where not only you create safety to to go beyond that climb the wall get over that point but also everyone else feels an openness to to be there be present to it and really offer that as well so for me it was an incredibly empowering and powerful experience to in a few moments seemed like eternity at the time but really in a few moments get past a certain point and that has proven valuable in speaking too because if I momentarily forget something I wanted to say it's uh, it was okay I could mm. just step over that and continue and not be not be stopped by it yeah I don't think an, I think an audience when they're present with us and, and that's why I love to work with a small group of six you're going to take a risk and then someone else will see you prevail and they're willing to stretch 
where one-on-one coaching, it's just the two of us, and there's not that sense of other people's support, because mm-hmm. in a group of six, everyone's stretching. Sure. If they're not, why would they be there making this investment right. in the stretch? You know, transformation is a stretch. But it's not about little incremental changes. It's like something totally changes, and you, you're on the other side of it and say, wow. So that's what... That's what I love seeing, and I love to hold the, let's see, the intention that that's possible for our audiences as well. Mm-hmm. Not well, just to say, wasn't that great, but, oh my God, I, I see that I could really make some a significant shift here, and this inspired me to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're not afraid to talk about that in your marketing either. I, I know in some cases people want to have a certain impact and they it comes out in their work but they're not necessarily very upfront about it for for various reasons and i i so recognize the fact that you are very clear about this transformational component in your well let's book yeah, let's marketing. let's talk about why people don't want to put that out there what's your sense of that I think it's uh, very much what you mentioned before. I think there's an appropriateness barrier that comes up, but I think what's behind that is it's a fear of just totally being present and authentic because then that has the potential to become something that is a something to be criticized or to to have the negative get a negative response to. What do you what do, what do you think? <clears throat> well, I think that people may write some, you know, really have a clear sense of what they want to do, and then they get afraid. Mm-hmm. That's where I think the self trust is so big. And and what I in my own business, it's no fun if I'm working with people who are defended and protected and scared to be true to themselves. So. I think what we need to do is say, how many clients do I really need anyway? And who are they? Because we, I think we make the mistake of trying to appeal to this faceless sea of humanity instead of saying, where can I bring this gift that matters? And the more true we are to putting ourselves fully out there, the more we're going to align with those who are ready to act. That is such a powerful uh, way of looking at marketing because I think culturally we're so acclimated to this idea of more and more and more. And it, in a way, it, it makes people faceless. It makes them, as you said, the sea of people rather than very specific people that you would love to work with mm-hmm. and you do your best work with. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I think there's this sense that we can't handle the downside of people not liking us. <laughs> and we can. You know, I, I think I quote in class Gertrude Stein, who said, beware the double ouch. Right. The first ouch is you try to be someone else, so they'll like you. And the second ouch is they find out the truth and dump you anyway. So Gertrude Stein said, go for the one ouch it's much less painful. And I have clients who have very high profiles who sometimes put themselves out there and get slammed. And it's not easy. 
And it sort of helps us course correct. Where can I bring value? Because if we're going for transformation, there's an energetic that moves us forward. And we've discussed the power versus force work by David Hawkins. It changed everything for me. Because if one person can hold a vibration of joy, which on a scale of one to a thousand is 540, that person consistently holding that vibration is going to affect 90,000 people at a negative emotion. Mm -hmm. So what I, what I really believe and that I think helps us to be sustainable in the work of change is to recognize if we are not editing ourselves and rehearsing ourselves into oblivion, which brings our energy down, and can find that place where we can serve with joy, we don't have to talk to the whole world. It's going to change the more of us that can stay in that vibration of joy and love and what what is possible in our world as opposed to all the negatives that can be can be so disheartening. We need each other badly and we when you look at an audience and you know they're with you and that you're bringing value, how much better is that than, well, I got through that speech. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they, they applauded politely. <laughs> That's not good enough. It's too much work to get dressed and go up there and give it all <laughs> you got without having it, having it matter. Well, and, and that work of, uh, that you spoke about of, of, uh, the number of people that you influence. It's really about your impact rippling out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also recognizing that everything around us is energy. And when that energy is higher, we shift to a better place mm -hmm. as humanity. Yeah. And if we, the more we get into the negative, the more we, we feel like we're hopeless. And, you know, there's just a lot of need for hope and transformation and love right now. And as speakers, I think it's our job. Well, I love your vision of that. And it's certainly um, inspiring to, it would be inspiring to have nothing but speakers that, that had that view. So I, I'm well, you know, it's the, it's the thing though. I mean, you're going to speak to at the, you can't be less than you are once you discover what the, what you have to bring but you know, it's like you can't you can't have a college professor teaching kindergarten. You know, if you know, there's certain levels of growth where you, you can you find your people, and it, it means everyone has something of value to bring. But that we're going to find different audiences based on how we choose to express. Well, I'd love to learn a little bit more about what you bring to this work uh, in terms of the values that you hold? Because it's my view that we certainly have impact, whether it's conscious or not, and that impact is grounded in what we hold most dear, what we feel is most important. And can you talk a little bit about what you value the most in in terms of your own presence with your business and, and in your work with your clients? Hmm. Well, I, I definitely value this concept of community and tribe. 
because I don't think we're, we're going to, you know, there's not one lone hero that's going to save us. (laughs) And we need each other really to shore each other up for the kind of challenges we're facing in the world. So there's that. And I, I believe there's such a need. I mean, I, one of my greatest values is beauty and I try to create that in the space and in the way I work with people because I, I think the world can be so savage at times. We need gentle. We need love. Eleanor Roosevelt said the giving of love is an education in itself. <laughs> and if that's what people feel and remember from the work we put out in the world, that's to me is gold. Um, and my personal I mean, I invite people to look at where their hearts are breaking because I think sometimes the things that we just can't stand are our greatest call. And for me, it's the beauty of our planet and our wildlife. And and for me, that's, you know, that's worth whatever risk we take to preserve the splendor and beauty of nature. And that is under attack right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know it will outlive us and it can handle a lot more than, I mean, humanity's likely to disappear before the natural world. But when I see how little we care for our natural resources and that money is, is becomes more prevalent than care for this sacred earth, it breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm certainly with you there. And uh, yeah, thank you for saying it so beautifully. Um, how do you find that your own energy is best used in the work that you want to do and, and in living out the values that you hold? I think it's a question I have to revisit at every decade now. I'm in my 70s. Uh I'm looking at next steps in my business to really have my work continue and to do less of what drives me crazy. I, I said to someone, <laughs> said to someone last week who was supporting my class or one of the students, I'm not sure, but I said, you know, it's no longer preference. I am incapable. First of all, I'm incapable of this technology. And someone could say, yeah, you could learn that. But the truth is, why? It's not my natural thing. I know what my gifts are. Mm -hmm. So how I use my energy is to look at how I can transform my own business to keep bringing my gift forward with joy without the day-to-day running of a business that is no longer of much interest to me. Mm. And I'm not quite sure what that will look like, but I think there's a lot to be said, and I wonder what that might look like, and inviting (laughs) in, instead of my mind saying, I can't find support, I can't do this, I wonder what support looks like now. Mm -hmm. And I've also been working with a Chinese master, Ming Tong Gu, with medicine healing Qigong, to work with my own energy, to... um, amplify my own energy, to bring energy in so that I'm more balanced because I can get really unbalanced just like all the rest of us. 
and um, trying to do too much. And I've found that it's it's just a wonderful practice. One of the practices he teaches us is the inner smile. <laughs> That's great. And I think I think maybe we should be doing an inner smile every time we get up to speak. <laughs> and just because you're really connecting with your heart and sending that out to all your organs and sending it out to everyone that we're here to serve and 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 our beautiful sacred earth. I mean, let's let's look at what what we're what we're in support of instead of what we're against. Mm. Well, you bring up this really great question of of self care and what you do to support that energy and and uh, having the qigong practice and the work that you're doing. Is are there other things that you do that you find particularly healing or or sacred to you in that realm? Yeah. Um... I journal every day. So because I think when here's what I'd like to be working on, Ursula. I'd like to, you know, there's just something about the human mind that it's never good enough and we want better. Mm-hmm. And I want good enough to be good and not some I was working with a healer in Mexico last month who said her teacher said better is the enemy of good. Haha. <laughs> And what's it like to be in good, to say, this is enough, this is beautiful, and to allow ourselves to take that deep breath of gratitude for the things that are working in our lives without relentlessly charging on to the next one and not allowing that moment. Because this is something I heard a long time ago, that it takes... You know, with our fight or flight and our survival, it's so built into the human makeup. It only takes a second to perceive a threat, but it takes 15 seconds to let in a compliment. Hmm. So 15 seconds, I mean, we're just on to the next thing. What, right. what if we took that 15 seconds or hopefully 15 minutes to to breathe in the blessings that are available to us instead of looking at what we have to do next. Mm-hmm. I, that's, that's the, that for me is, is what life is asking now. As I try to create more space, I ask myself, what for? And if we are in this, this overwhelm, it's taking us away from enjoyment of what could be a beautiful life. Hmm. Well, that's a, a powerful thing to think about in terms of, of what kind of what kind of legacy or advice would you want to would you want to leave listeners with in terms of if there was one thing you could tell them is it would it be that or is is there something else that you might have in mind well that's the one that's growing in me now but oscar wilde said it really beautifully this is some sort of paraphrase of that be yourself everyone else is already taken (laughs) you know to really get that you're an original nowhere else duplicated and if you don't express that original medicine it's lost to the world for all time That's a clarion call to really dig deep and look at the gift that we have to bring 
and to consciously bring it instead of wallowing around in what's my purpose? You know, (laughs) (laughs) the questions we ask just don't go deep enough. I think maybe our purpose is to express our original medicine. Mm. So it's important to spend the time on that inquiry and to allow it to, to really take deep root within us so that we'll live from that. Mm. Well, you're certainly someone who, who brings your, your original self, your original medicine to, to the work that you do, Gail. And I want to thank you so much for having this conversation and sharing your, it's such a deep journey that you take people on. And uh, thank you for, for sharing the aspects of that and, and mm. really inviting people to go deeper and into personal trust so that they can be themselves. So thank you for that. Yes, thank you. And thank you for showing up for for transformational speaking, because if people didn't, I'd be finding another way to give my gift. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, a, it was a great pleasure to do it. And if, if people want to get in touch with you, is what's the best way for them to reach you? Or, or is there some something coming up soon where people can meet with you in person, connect with you in person? Um, my next op- class openings are my introductory class at Omega Institute. The, uh, it starts Friday night, June 30th, and ends on Sunday noon, July 2nd. That's a class for 20 people. We work on medicine, message, and story with a little, you know, a little bit of coaching for each person in front of the room, but it's about 12 hours of class time. Um, I'm speaking at Emerging Women in October in Denver. And I will likely be offering a class in San Miguel de Allende in Mexico in November. That's great. So people can go to my website, realspeaking.com. And I also have an online academy, Transformational Speaking Online, which is the same work as the immersion, but done at one's own pace with a supportive online community. Mm. And for anyone who's just interested in original medicine, I took the first module out of the very rich um, online academy. And they can look at originalmedicineonline.com. And I have a very inexpensive course there to really name and claim the gift that you bring to the world. Mm. That's great. That concept of original medicine has been really powerful for me. I've... uh... I've done some reading on it since we met, and uh, it's it's a really amazing way of looking at how you can bring forward your unique voice. Mm-hmm. So, well, thank you, Gail, for the impact that you have in the world and for the work you're doing. It's uh, powerful and transformative. And for you. I'm glad we're tribe, Ursula. Me too. I always feel so blessed with the people who walk through that door because I know there's some destiny in our meeting and that we're, we're really creating a band of mutual support mm-hmm. to s- support our web of life. So I'm so grateful for your presence as well. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm very grateful for you too, Gail. Thank you.
Thank you. So join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.